Welcome back, everybody. It's been a couple weeks. I was so sick um, last week, was it? It was last Sunday, right? I think yeah. last Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, you know, we we fought so hard all day to try to get my temperature down that day. And Calissa was like, okay, there we go. Because like three hours before game, because I didn't want you guys lingering too long. Uh, so it was like three hours before game. She took my temperature. It's like 101. And she's like, well, that didn't work. So... The day my temperature didn't break until Monday night, so I didn't even bother with Monday night game. I still don't know what I had. I mean, my COVID test was negative and everything else was fine. I was like, what the heck is this thing? And then I had a cough for two days, and now I'm reasonably back to normal. So it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Somebody slipped something in my drink, I think, is the way it works. (laughs) I'm almost positive. Almost positive. So, we have some catching up to do. Not only did Sanith miss the previous session where we got to experiment with Earthen's rather unique spell that allowed everyone to travel through kind of like a dreamscape scenario, Um, but we learned a lot about the relationship of an entity called Dominion and its... Things that it referred to as its children or its misbehaving children, including Draxelhaven, something that he seems to be, something that the entity seems to be looking for. But more importantly, guiding everybody through this dream state that Earthen had um, cast during everybody's point of a long rest. We found ourselves in the world of Terrell. More importantly, we found ourselves in the city of Waterdeep where we had visited um, uh, a particular uh, individual's family. And it would appear he's been gone for a while as his wife is quite aged in um, in the late, what you would consider the late 60s, late 70s in age. Um, his world looked very different. And he seemed very distraught by this expanse in time. Also at this time, because of the spell's effect, Puck had an interlude with the entity called Dominion where she made a puck, Puck made a pact with it, and (laughs) a puck pack, uh, and seems to be exploring the more nefarious arcane nature of dark magic. Um, Of course, all this was culminated by the return back to the ship and everybody kind of wrapping up that evening's activities with their own kind of 
last minute things before we settled into a long rest. Most importantly, though, we named the boat. Yes, the ship has been named. A boat is for tug of war. A ship is for traveling in the sea. So, and do you anybody remember what we named it? Friends upon chosen kindred sail. <laughs> you better believe the bard remembers that name. <laughs> As the boat is now called Fox. <laughs> 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 I could be mischievous. Sometimes. It's like it's like it's it's this great <laughs> scrolling calligraphy of the of the acronym F U C K S, and then like <laughs> under each letter is the full word, but smaller in writing. So if anybody mm-hmm. actually gets close enough, they'd be able to see the expanded version of the intent of the writing on the ship. Um, but we wrap up our first day of sea time travel, I believe. As mm-hmm. we're officially 11 days since the destruction of the Fire Titan. And for the first time, a complete day's journey in the direction of the Shattered Isle. We also, during that time, learn a little bit more about the expectation of the possible um, uh, people that live amongst the Shattered Isles. As they are referred to as Voiks. Um, a nautical people, a seafaring people, um, and they live within a kind of clan tribalism where they worship um, uh, physical creatures like elk and bear and um, entities that kind of espouse either uh, the environmental influence of the island that they might live on. Um, and they are definitely a people that live in perpetual battle with each other, only ever seeming to join each other in the idea of defending the great island chains. And I believe we learn a great deal of this from a member of the crew, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, during your guys' long rest downtime after the event in uh, Waterdeep. But Mm -hmm. all of you rise to day two of your travels by sea. You have yet to convert the elven ship into an airship yet. Um, The idea was to get out into the Lucidian Sea as deeply as possible in the general direction of the Shattered Isles. And then eventually at some point, maybe transfer into the airship and make your way towards the Shattered Isles. However... Since we are starting a new day of travel, I need someone to roll a d20, please. Your choice. Ooh. Two. Two? It's just weather. It's not like, you know, pass or fail. The horizon is the beginning of a fog bank with the ambient air temperature... Uh, plummeting and the warmth of the Lucidian Sea rising, suddenly the ship finds itself in a very thick and intense fog bank. The sun barely peeking through. There is still a bit of a breeze, but the wind gauge has diminished and the ship is traveling at a slower pace within the waters itself. However, guys have day two of travel. What would you like to do? So, 
Um, Puck didn't share a lot of that stuff with us last time. I don't think she shared any of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm fine. Everyone's fine. We're all fine. We did a like a vibe check and we picked up nothing. Was that basically we just failed? Well, it's not that you fail. It's just she seemed to be quite good at holding it close to her chest. And, and, and yep. while she definitely looked like she had experienced some kind of traumatic event, it just didn't appear to affect her. I mean, she still seems like Puck. Nothing here. Nothing to worry about. Hey, um, Puck, you still want to see uh, I, I think I even did a vibe check of, uh, of uh, Punch, too. Yes. And punch with yeah. like <laughs> So I'm definitely watching Puck, but uh, we've found out we can travel across planes safely. We have couple more days of travel ahead of us. So whatever we do during the day today, uh, I think towards the end of the day, we can try uh, tracking down Erebos. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that. Yeah, because that was originally one of your plans was to start figuring out this Erebos creature, which was also mentioned by the Dominion entity as well, and I'll a quick recap of the Nexus. It would seem that the veil and where all of these kind of periods of time are overlapping and creating rifts, that's pretty much how the one guy from Waterdeep had gotten here and was recovered by Ford, Jester, and Caleb. Mm-hmm. And it would seem that 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 the closer you get towards the Shattered Isle, the greater these parody of shifting rifts and other activities are happening. You get the feeling that while the spell worked, Earthen, that the proximity to all the rifts may have created the kind of bizarre behavior. Now, unfortunately, Puck hasn't really shared much, so there's not much to infer, (coughs) excuse me, from her interlude with Dominion. So you're not really sure if the magic is stable, but it appears to be stable. It worked, as far as you could tell. Right. I, I got a lot of really fun notes from that that I just can't share because I don't know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, uh, my like my plane shift spell requires me to have a rod that's attuned to the plane that um, you're trying to travel to. Can I have said that while we were in this other plane, I like attuned a rod to that plane? Sure, I'm okay with that. It makes sense. Uh. Puck's initial priority was um, be like navigating and mapping, <laughs> mapping things around. So I think she's just gonna stick to that for a minute and try and like map through the fog and see which direction 
they can go to try and evade the bad weather. Okay. Give me a survival check. Uh, with advantage, because you do have your map you can use to kind of look at the immediate area around you through magical means while also using the pre-existed charts in the navigational table. Uh, it's 17. 17. The fog does not feel natural to you. No. As you look at the map that shows where you are, Within maybe about three or four miles of where you're currently located, there are two other vessels hmm. that you could see. So there are two other ships out here. Well, okay, I informed the others. How, uh, how far away are they? About three, four miles away from the center mass of the map, so they don't seem to be moving very fast either. I mean, unfortunately, with this fog embankment, it's kind of, there's very little wind. It's more of a breeze, so the ship is kind of slowly moving through the current, and with the affected area of, of, of around you, but your visual awareness is barely 100 feet off the edge of the deck of the ship. Like, Looking up, you can see the sun, but it's almost like a gray ball because of how thick the fog is. The waters are strangely churned. Like, they're, you know how, like, like seawaters can be very, very calm, but have kind of like a weird kind of churn to it? Um, it, it definitely feels unnatural. Um didn't you, like, you've made fog appear before. Can you make this go away? Uh, let's see what my spell slots include. I mean, can you control okay, I remember. I mean, it's easy, right? I mean, she, like, <laughs> she, look, she made fog appear out of nowhere and and help uh, spot escape when we were fought ambassadors way back when. That seemed like so long ago. It was like, <laughs> the most I can do right now that relates to it is summon a guardian of nature and see if there is something it can do outside of attacking, but probably not. Oh, wait, no, I have wind mm -hmm. wall. Oh, I mean, we can see. I mean, wind wall is pretty stationary, but if there's a specific. Yeah. We want to use it on then. Well, before we do that, maybe we should try and do some more. Like that, that could be our ace in the hole. Like, what did you call me? It, <laughs> I called you an ace in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I, I figured ace, look, ace in the hole is better than trump card, right? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Very fucking true. <laughs> so, um, I like I can let me fly up and see if I see anything. If I can, if they can get out of the top of this because it looks pretty gross all around, right? Oh, some of us can fly. Yeah, maybe somebody can. You know, I'm just gonna fly straight up. Like I'll, I'll activate my ring and just try to go up out of the fog and see if I can get above it at all. 200 feet, still in the fog. 300 feet, still in the fog. 
400 feet, still in the fog. <laughs> it's like you're you're going up higher and higher and higher. It's, and it's starting to get colder as well. The You get to about the 600-foot level, and you come just out of the edge of the fog. And as you come up and out, you can see that it spreads for miles, like in every direction. I, I mean... It's not, and, and like when the sun hits you, it's it's very bright, like you're been in dim light for a while. Sun hits you, and all around you, you could just see the boiling smoke of the fog. And as you look around, off in the distant, far horizon, like very off in the distance, maybe in like a northeasterly direction. You can see the beginnings of rippling purple and black lightning, but no sounds of thunder. Can Puck do primeval awareness for dragons? <clears throat> How far can that affect? What's the furthest range on that? So... Technically, this can considered because I think Ocean is one of her preferred uh, yeah. locations, and okay. so it should be six miles. Okay. No dragons. No sense of dragons. Uh, Draxelhaven didn't appear on your map. It's just every time you double check your map, there's two other ships out here. And they seem to, they're moving, but maybe they're having issues with the fog as well. It's hard to tell for sure. What if we. I'm going to fly back down, actually, first, because I Give can't talk to anybody. Give me a survival check on your way back down. 600 feet in the air. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's 11 plus whatever my modifier is. I'm trying to open it. I just restarted my computer to try and get that available. One second. Let me see if I can pull it up here faster. <coughs> Oh, good. It did. It just when I tried to go to uh, what's it called? It disconnected me. So I had to use a different tab. <clears throat> Excuse me. I had to use a different tab. Just a second. I'm sorry. And he's frozen in time. You know? Can you hear me when I do that? When I click away? Does yeah. the sound still work? Yeah. Okay. Still work. I, I I wasn't sure if you could hear me if I was, I was talking to myself at that point, but uh, all right, my character. Oh, look, the screen's working out. <laughs> I can hear your kid. I'm almost there. Oh. I'm almost there. <laughs> All right. Uh, survival. Where, what? Why? Plus six. Sweet. Okay, so that's a 17 then. Uh, plus mm. my, wait, plus my uh, modifier. That's a uh, eight, uh, 17, 19. What modifier? The I get to add my proficiency bonus to my checks. It's not because, already built into that modifier. No, that's my the plus six is my regular, and then I add my proficiency bonus on top of it. 
Gotcha. The jack of all trades. Oh, the jack of all trades ability. That's right. Um, yep. On your way back down, you lose track of the ship. Oh, boy. <laughs> for hmm. everybody else on board the ship, you're kind of patiently waiting for Earthen to come back. No sign of them. Uh, Puck, you could see him on the map. Shoot. How far is he? Uh, hard to tell. He's about a mile to the south. <laughs> He's a mile south? Now all of you can see purple and black light pulsing and almost just like lightning, but with purple coloration and black coloration, but no sound. Okay, who else can fly? Uh, you? I can fly if it's dark. And yeah, I guess you can fly also, and you've got the map. Okay. I was <laughs> somebody else. Could. Um, <laughs> I have my... Ooh, the background. Um, Ooh. How about we try to like tie a really long rope around me? Um, and so I remain tethered to the ship and try to move together in his direction. All right. Okay, so me and Lunch uh, kind of fly above, securely tethered, like a five-time security tether, uh, security <laughs> knots. Um, and hopefully we can move together. Uh, in a direction of Earthen. So Puck and Lunch are flying in the direction that you could see Earthen on the map, correct? Okay. You guys lose track of Puck immediately. Wait, How... no, we're tied. We're, tied to the, we're tied to the ship. Correct. As soon as you fly up and into the fog, the only thing they notice is the gradual kind of tension and the... Um, uh, the uncoiling and the unfurl, like the unfurled, uh, like uh, rope. How how many feet of rope are you using? As much as we have, but also hopefully the ship can kind of move with us and not against us. You could try to move the ship. Um, uh, I mean, right now, the, the ship barely has any steerage. You're flying in the direction you believe Earthen to be, <coughs> but it's not the same direction that the ship is going. Uh, can I send a message to Earthen and say, Earthen, you're about a mile south of us. Head north. Puck is looking for you. No connection. No connection? Oh, here we go again. <laughs> oh, oh, crap. <laughs> Can I try and thaumaturgy the sounds of like uh, a bell ringing into the air? Does that do anything? Earthen, uh, about a mile to your left, you can hear the distant sound of a ship bell. What the hell? Uh, okay. It's a lot colder now, too. And the light mm -hmm. show is getting more intense. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got an idea. Um, do I still have the uh, the control rod from last uh, session for the, uh, the the automaton loaders? 
Who does? Who has what? Yeah, yeah. you. You. I think you. You never put it down. As far as yeah, I know. Yeah. Really anything with it? Yeah. And we. So I know we use those guys to load all the various things on the ship. Um, can I direct them to like physically turn the ship and kind of push so that it's following? Uh, it's following uh, Puck. You head downstairs and you initiate the, the drones. Uh, they don't work. They don't turn on. The power stones are all inert within the drones themselves. Almost like the magic of the stones has just been immediately drained away. Um, can I try and cast Dispel Magic on the fog? You feel the magic absorb and nothing happen. Hmm. Think, uh, Winter, think. give me an insight check, if you would, please. Insight check. Yeah. It's a 20. A 20. The magic feels like fey in origin. Almost like fey magic is leaking into this area. But yet the lack of sound and the lack of understanding how it's getting here, you kind of feel like you, you guys are in a rift right now. And that might explain That's why a, magic doesn't seem to be working. What's a rift? A collision <laughs> of possible different time periods and different oh. planes of existence. Can I roll an insight check uh, on the fog to see if it reminds me of when we were... Uh, when we chased that granite dragon thing that Spot jumped on. Hey, give me an inside check on that. Uh, that's a 23. Yeah, it feels like the same effect. Like, magic is consuming. The energy is echoing out through just the light show, like almost like a an Aurora Borealis-style light show, like a discharge. No sound... Except now the waters are frothing. The crew is beginning to panic a little bit. As now there's no wind, but the sea is beginning to show signs of almost like a storm-like churn to it. There's something... And and they're like... They're looking over the railing um, that you look up to see um, Alexander um, uh, kind of lashing down the helm... Um, as the helm has become unresponsive because you watch as all the sails go slack. And as the sails go slack, there's no more breeze, no more wind. But the seas are beginning to really churn and froth and kind of show signs of storm-like activity. But no storm, just this perpetual pulse of distant energy and, and, and streaks of black and purple lightning. With no sound. I want to try and focus on the sound of the ship. Like you said, I could hear the ship bell. Yeah, I give try me and... another survival check. 
Yep. Uh, that's a 14, 16. 16? Yep. Now the chime sounds like it's off to your right by a half mile. You see the silhouette of a dragon and a small person. Oh, boy. And it maybe that was Puck. It kind of looked like Puck. Hmm. I'm going to, like, use minor illusion just to throw colors out, like, but not the colors of the storm. Okay. So, like, yellow and green and just other, just trying to, like, like a like a light show, like a beacon. Xanath, the, the rope tied to Puck goes slack. Puck, you feel the rope goes slack around your waist. Um, and Xanath, you suddenly, quickly, you have the crew pull in. The hundred or four so feet of rope onto the deck of the ship, and there's like a charred, frayed, severed end to the rope. Oh no! <laughs> uh, oh shoot! <laughs> God damn it, Arthur! I was trying to help. <laughs> uh, Pop, give me your survival check, if you would, please. Are you pulling out the map for this, or you keep? Was, did you leave the map on the ship? I brought it with me because I was looking for Earthen. Okay, so as you now that you're up in the in the fog and you unfurl the map, you no longer see any of the sh- any of the ships that you remember seeing before. You no longer see Earthen, and the map is now opaque, as if it's being nullified. Like the magic of the map doesn't seem to be working. Shoot. Well, I got a 16, so... 16? You thought you saw a silhouette off to your right? Um, As you start traveling that way, you quickly lose track of it. You can hear Xanath doing the thaumaturgy bell of the ship to kind of beacon out to everybody. It sounds more distant than close. And you're having a hard time orientating in the direction. You both are just lost in the fog at this point. Unable to figure out the orientation, but now you're beginning to see other silhouettes in the fog. (laughs) On top of that, Puck, you look off towards the north end of the fog, and you can see the outline of a huge ship, far bigger than yours. Maybe a couple, two, three hundred feet. And the only reason you can see the outline of it, there's flashes of black and purple energy crisscrossing it and showing you kind of the silhouette before the fog kind of consumes it. There's a very large ship passing below you. I'm going to try and be sneaky as I approach it. Uh, Give me a stealth check with advantage because you are in the fog. Oh, thank God for the advantage. <laughs> oh, thank God for the advantage. It's 27. Ooh. <laughs> so as you use the fog as cover, you start descending down towards the silhouette. You can now hear sailors and voices barking orders. And the first distinct sound you hear is a, a sailor's voice. Arr, why can't I see through this blasted fog? For fuck's sake. And it's just this very deep and body voice. And as you come out 
and you're near a three-masted vessel. It's huge. Um, you can see a flag fluttering off of the center mast. And down below, you can see that it's got a crew of about 100 people kind of on the main deck of the ship. And you can see that they're almost in a panic, like they're shifting in different directions, going over to the gang rails, they're kind of looking down, trying to figure out where they're going. All the sails are slack, so the ship's not even moving, but the seawaters are foaming and frothing, almost as if they're reacting to some kind of activity in the water, but no sound. In fact, other than the sailors and the chiming of the bells of their of their ship, there's no other sound up here. And you're kind of floating in amongst the different masts and sails. You can see um, a kind of older sailor leaning out of their crow's nest with a huge kind of a telescopic uh, device and swinging around and looking as if they're trying to figure out a way through this fog. Can I see any kind of crest or the name of the ship? Um, you can't see the name of the ship, but the flag seems familiar to you. Give me a history check. Uh, 15. The flag reminds you of that shipwreck back on that island, the Raptor Island. Oh. Yeah. Can I see if I can notice any type of, like, wildlife or animals in, like, the um, magically reacting ocean? Um, give me a perception check with advantage because you're high up and you're looking down in the waters. Uh, eight. Eight? Not that you can see. The waters are pretty gray and dark and churning. Almost like they're reacting to the light show. And as you watch a pulse of black and purple lightning... <laughs> like streak five with no sound you watch as the water below it reacts to it like it sprays up and outward and follows almost the exact same path that the light streaks across earth and you're beginning to notice that as well but you've lost track of puck you thought you saw her and you started looking for her again and now you've lost track although way off of the distance you can still hear that chime of a of a, of a sea bell but it feels further away now I'm going to try and move away from the sound. Okay. Which direction? As best as I can determine opposite direction of the sound. Oh my god. What was the name of that guild? Thundershroud. Thundershroud, yeah. When we saw oh, I was going to say it. I was just waiting. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember putting a note there. So, Pike, you well, recognize was, it as yeah. the Thundershroud. Because those are the assholes that were on the uh, north side of the island, those pirate boys. Yeah, it was. So with that, the you two being lost out in the fog bank, Eartha, you start drifting away from the sound. And as you drift away, you feel like you're getting closer. Uh, give me another survival check. Mm hmm. Hmm. That's a uh, 15. 15. 
You can see the silhouette of a large ship below you. Two masted. Ooh. And you can hear the chiming of a bell. Doesn't look like the elven ship that you're familiar with. It looks like a different ship. And you can see um, uh, a pennant of uh, uh, of the Dwendal Empire on the center mast. And along the side of the vessel, you could see Sprocket on the side of the vessel. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to try and descend stealthily to the mast, to the like the nearest mast. Uh, just if I can get landed on the... Because <coughs> I assume I'm not, they're not looking up at me, so... Give me a stealth check. Yep. I got advantage because of my clothes. Because of my clothes. And I'm in a folk bank. And Ooh. I'm honestly <laughs> lost. Yep. That's a 19. <laughs> 19? Plus, okay. hang on. Oh, sorry, that's uh, plus four. So 23. 23? Yep. Okay. No sign of Earth in her puck. Winter, Zenith, and Spot. You're looking in all directions. Um, the three of you give me perception checks as... You kind of put the crew to work as well, having them try to see if they could locate them. But so far, no sign of Puck, and so far, no sign of Earthen. Natural 20, 29 with my uh, permissions. Nice. Ooh. <coughs> right, Wait, which check? Perception. Thank you. I got a 26. Okay. Nice. I got an 11. 11? <laughs> And then a 19 for the crew. So actually pretty good. As for the next 10 minutes, everybody is doing everything they can to look off in the different directions, outward, upward, trying to figure out if they could see Earth in her pocket. No sign. But every now and then, you either see the silhouette of a strange vessel, a strange ship. You see the silhouette of a large creature. You see the silhouette of dozens of small creatures. It's almost like you're seeing things try to appear, but they immediately get consumed by the fog. At one point, the alarm on the fox goes off. You hear it like dinging as a massive ship comes barreling towards you. And then a huge like boiling fog washes across it. With a huge, like, black and uh, purple light show. And the ship just disappears. And there's, like, this huge explosion of frothy water. Where you saw the ship coming. Everybody kind of, like, starts getting them up, up off the deck after they thought for sure that ship was going to hit. And then you hear... Small fish are landing on the deck of the ship. As all of you look up, you can see some creature falling towards the ship. It's hundreds of feet long and 30, 40 feet wide. Everybody ducks, and there's like a slam of light across the ship, and then it's, it's gone. As all of you look over the railing, the water's gone. The water's now fog. All right, um, Xanth, uh, Winter, I'm going to do something incredibly stupid. I know that's off-brand, but... Um, <laughs> is it? All right, 
like like dumber than normal. So I want to go up to uh, wherever the cable that uh, was tying Puck to the uh, to the ship is. I'm just going to kind of how, is this like how I assume this isn't like a hosser. Like this is like a standard size rope, like something I could grab. It's just a regular rope on a large spool. Okay. It would have been about 300 feet in length. And then the crew pulled it back in because it was already severed because it went slack. So it's, it's a severed. So about 150 feet of the rope had been lost. All right. um, Can I do a perception? Like, do I know the direction that she flew off? Uh, it feels more like an insight or survival check. All right. Uh, let me see what I got. I will definitely do insight on that. All right. That is an unnatural 20. You cannot get your bearings. How about we... The ship can fly. How about we try and fly, get up high enough, maybe we can get above the fog, or maybe at least they can see us. And I... I think if we power the engines, we can move forward in the air, right? Possible. Until you see a panicked crew member coming up from below the hull reporting that the arcane engine has gone inert as all of the crystal chambers that were once powered with arcane magic to, to allow the ship to function and fly are now empty. Crap. All right. Well, I'm going back to my plan. So I want to tie the <laughs> around my uh, around my waist and just uh, leap off the side. So you guys <laughs> want to try right? So Spot goes and ties the remaining 150 feet of rope around, and he gets up to the to the to the railing edge, and he climbs up on it. And he leaps out, and as he leaps out, he starts tumbling forward, and then just as quickly. <laughs> goes upward and into the fog you lose track of them the rope starts going out the crew tries to slow the rope down and it gets to the very end of the tether of the rope and it snaps he watches the rope trails off into the fog can we not try and catch it make any kind of you and winter certainly can try yeah Yeah, give me either, either give me a dex check or give me acrobatics or athletics your choice can I give Winter an advantage? I'm sure her dex is much better than mine. <laughs> you give her acrobatics advantage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And this is how we set up for the TPK. <laughs> <laughs> I got an 11. 11. Did you roll twice? I did. Oh, yeah, you- Oh, you did? <laughs> oh no! So as the two of you go sprinting towards the road, you both go to leap, and you kind of like shove Winter up and towards the rope, and you just watch the rope just like slide right <laughs> out of her fingers, and now you've lost track of Spot. Well, crap. At least you didn't lose Winter with that, you know. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> The crew is panicking now. Like, they're freaked out. They don't understand why this is happening. Alexander is going around trying to get the crew to calm down with what's going on. But the, the, the hard part is, is it's this deafening silence. And now the water's gone. It's almost as like the fog has just kind of consumed everything. 
And the silhouettes of things coming in and out of the fog keep happening. Strange flying creatures, strange swimming creatures. All of you are seeing this, but you're not from Puck, Earthen, and Spot. You've lost track of the ship. You're not sure where it is. Zeth, you continue your thaumaturgy effect. Okay. Picking up on that, Alexander has one of the crew go up to the bell toll, and they're tolling the bell as well, chiming out in the hopes that that sound or noise. Uh, spot, Earthen, and Puck, give me survival checks, please. All right. Okay, one second. Uh, survival. Okay. All right. That's a 27. Okay. 19. 15. For you, Earthen, there's something strange about this. There's, this almost feels like that prelude to your spell. Like you're slipping in and out of different planes of existence. And you're not sure if you're experiencing things crossing over to where you are or you're crossing over to where they are. And that's when you begin to think about the physicality of the ship the deck, the people, your friends, and everything. You just start thinking about it. Zenith, you and Winter watch as Earthen just reappears on the ship. Right in between the two of you. Where the hell did you just go? What just happened? Where's you know? Did you see her? I saw, like, a silhouette of a dragon with a uh, little person on it. So I assume maybe that was Puck. Um... But as I tried to go towards her, disappeared. Then there was a big giant ship underneath me. Um, not friendly. Well, I mean, if Caleb's to be believed, maybe they're friendly. But uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. Um, anyway, I started to go to another ship, and then everything was nothing again. And now um, I started thinking about the ship and thinking about being back on the boat. And Remember, like, remember when we were... When we got when we chased Spot into the crazy fog, yeah, right? this is like decided that. to jump off of uh, Puck. Yeah, this is it's like that. So when we were down there uh, and we kept trying to walk towards the the giant gem, we couldn't get any closer, right? Until we focused on it, and it was like, no, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to the gym, not not to work out, but to touch the thing, and. That worked. It worked here, too. After you left, Puck went up to try and get you, and then the rope, it was like it was cut, and she was gone. And then Spot jumped <coughs> down off the side of the ship and was shot up in the air, and the rope got lost. We've been trying to ring the bell. Could you hear it? I heard a bell. Um, and when I tried to get closer to the bell, it got farther <coughs> away. But when I tried to go away from the bell, I got closer to a different bell. And that was the other ship that I almost landed on. But then this happened. <laughs> so as soon as Earthen explains that, Winter, you recognize what he's talking about. Because you've been there before. You get the feeling that somehow you guys are in the Astral Sea. Oh I tell him that? Don't know how you got there, but you're in the astral sea. You're in a massive space between all the planes of existence. 
That explains why the water can't be seen anymore. It explains the way Earthen visualized where he wanted to go, and he ended up there. I thought it just turned into an orc. (laughs) 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 Um, Can I relay that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so everything he just said, you guys hear, yay. <laughs> the Astral Sea. <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, where's that? Where's uh, Elm Spur? Where's that? Do we still have him? Is he on deck? He came. He came you guys with haven't us. seen him all day. Well, well, he did. He came with us, though. Yeah, he was. With you just us. haven't seen him all day. Yeah. Uh, I'm just. I'm gonna ask around. Go find and or ask around where Elmspur is. No sign of him. Don't even need to make a check. He is not on the ship. Oh come on! Did anyone see him? Did anyone see him go? What did he do? Did he leap off the side of the ship? Did anyone see? Like just the like crew asking the crew. looking around and and like Alexander looks. I don't. Remember seeing him at all this morning. I don't remember him coming out and up on the main deck. Where are we? What is what is going on? We are in the great in between. I don't know what that means. We're we're nowhere. We're in between planes. We're not in a plane. We're not in Alexandria. We're not we're not Near the teeth, we're out there. Oh, okay, that simplifies everything. Thank you. It does, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Where's where was Elmsburg? Well, where was Elmsburg staying? It was down on the commons deck. He took one of the uh sections that the sailors used to sleep. Uh, I'm going to go down and, and just take a look and see if there are any stuff there that might be... Uh, give me an investigation check. Okay. You start looking in the area that, that the crew describes where they remember last seeing him. 25. 25. All of his equipment's still here. His backpack is underneath his hammock. Um, there's an overturned book on the ground, almost like he was holding a book and it just fell to the ground. Um, you could see a small tray of half-eaten food, a half-empty tankard of ale. Um, you could see his blankets kind of cast off and hanging partially off the hammock and on the ground. Um, all the stuff is here. He's I'm going to rummage through his stuff and also take a look at that book, if, it, if the book is of any consequence. Uh, uh, the, the, the book is... Um, basically a study of the Lucidian Sea. Uh, so like, just kind of like the general kind of understanding of how to be a seafarer, how to, you know, uh, how to navigate the ocean, how to, you know, become a sailor. Almost like he was learning how to be more of a, you know, a physical sailor as opposed to his Get the Yankee heritage. Um, as you rummage through his stuff, uh, you find a lot of basic equipment, some calligraphy equipment. He seems to be a writer by profession. Um, 
He's got maps. He's got. It's weird though. So some of his maps don't make sense. Uh, one of his maps refers to something called an asteroid, called Bastion. And he seems uh, to have a lot of written material on strange-looking ships. I'm going to bring all that out to the deck. Okay. Uh, and show Winter, but also um, can I roll like an insight to see if this, if I can put together that this is related to where we are? If, there, if there's a relation to what's in there uh the maps versus where we are yeah the the maps describe things a bit more tactily this doesn't feel like what the maps are reporting in detail it feels different you don't even have to make an insight check like okay. to your own credit it's almost like you're not quite in the material plane and you're not quite in the astral sea and the reason why winter picked up on the behavior is this feels like you're slipping in between different fey pockets, uh, connective balls of arcane energy that just are empty space that allow you to traverse different planes. But it doesn't seem to have like any kind of control or center of focus. Uh, Puck and Spot, each of you give me survival checks, please, as you continue to float out in the ether. Oh shit. That is a crit fail. Oh no. Shit, I got a one too. It's a seven. No. Um, the two of you are very lost. You hear no sound of bells. And you're now finding it difficult to breathe because it's getting so cold. Alright. I need you both to make con saves, please. Con saves. Uh, that is a 14 for me. Okay, 18 points of cold damage for you. Yes, okay. 12. 18 points of cold damage for Puck. And you can literally begin to see icicles forming on like the surface of your clothes. You can hear Lunch's teeth chattering. Um, Am I still next to the ship? You're next to nothing. You remember seeing the mass that you were next to? That silhouette's now gone. You can no longer hear the sailors chattering. There was like an explosion of light. You felt you and Lunch kind of tumble away from the explosion. Once again, soundless, just light bursting around you. And you kind of tumble away from it. And now you see here nothing other than this continuation of the pulsing lights and the kind of black and purplish fog kind of just boiling around. But you no longer see water either. So I'm curious if I can do a thing real quick. Um, mm. If I'm able to, I'd like to just kind of tuck myself pretty much in lotus position, just kind of you know get as uh, centered as I can to reserve heat, and then cast my uh, what is this thing? Silent image above myself, and just do basically a rotating uh, like uh, God, I can't think of like a lighthouse beacon above me, just a stream of light, just constantly rotating. As you focus on the magic, it, it suddenly it works. The magic seems to work. <clears throat> you cast a copy of yourself. It's, you create the image. Um, 
for whatever reason, this magic seems to be working. Yep. I do want to make sure, like, because you said a copy of me. Um, I'm not cast. I'm not copying myself. I'm oh. creating a like a, a basically a lighthouse beacon of just gotcha. Just a beacon of light that's kind of like yeah, it's pivoting kind of around. Yeah. Uh, Puck, give me a perception check, please. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, it's just the constant pulsing light show all around you. No sign, sense of anybody else nearby. Can I try to connect to my familiar uh, punch and see if I can hold on to anything there? You focus on where you think punch might be. You could see the tiger's face. For those of you on the main ship, you notice that Punch is now on the main deck, kind of pacing nervously back and forth. And then suddenly, Puck is back on the main deck. <gasps> Staying like right alongside Punch. But lunch, you but lunch is not with you. Shit. Oh, no. no. <laughs> lunch. Lunch. My babies. Uh, there's, also like, there's also like an immediate collapse of a coil of 150 feet of rope that was wrapped around Puck, and it just she's now like buried and pulling herself out <laughs> of the remains of the rope that had severed during her trajectory off the ship. Can I try and connect with Lunch in the same way? He's technically my familiar as well. You can spend an hour and try to resummon him. You get the feeling he went back to the Fae. Oh shit! Okay, I'll, I'll like you go to reach out, and it's that kind of emptiness that you get when Punch has kind of disappeared back to the Fey. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I have to. Okay, I have an idea, guys. Oh, I he's gonna. Bardic ideas never go wrong. No, oh yeah, never go wrong. Um, I pull out my fiddle, uh, my my vial, and I start playing and singing a song about the weirdest orange cat creature that you've ever seen with a weird cloak that really sucks at being a monk and typically sucks at being a thief, uh, unless they're stealing from me. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's, it's this long, weird song about this like tabby orange thing and and um i'm trying to describe all of the uh features that i remember of this weirdo cat with his uh really sharp claws now as this sound is echoing outward you can see a dozen points of light beginning to float towards the vessel you guys watch as Winter's eyes go wide and she yells out in alarm as a dozen astral whales, attracted by the sound, <laughs> just kind of buzz the ship. I need everybody except Spot to make deck saves, please. <laughs> 28. Okay. I need Punch to make a deck save as well. 
<laughs> death save? Holy cow. Dex. 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 25. Okay. 22. I got a uh, 23. Ooh. All of you hearing Winter like yell out an alarm, you grab on to like either a nearby mast or a rail or a rope or stanchion. And as you do, the dozen or so massive starlit creatures just flourish across the ship. The entire ship like goes back and forth from the wake of their movement. And the ship almost kind of does a zero gravity tumble. Like it's about to flip over on its like in a capsized motion. As you watch every single crew member just lose their grip and begin to drift out into the fog. Every single one, the tabaxi, the sailors, Salinas is like, like flailing as she drifts away. Alexander is like tumbling zero gravity over and away. You feel the ship kind of like right itself. The four of you look around and you're the only one on the ship. Think about the ship. Focus on the ship and come back. You start yelling that out um, as you could see their silhouettes drifting. And as their silhouettes are drifting, something very long and thin, maybe 30 feet long, you can hear distant screams. Yoza. Uh, Spot around you, you can see about three or four of these 30 foot long creatures circling you. There's silhouettes there, but now you can see their tactile selves. They're 30 feet long, gray and black skinned. Their mouths are 15 feet long. You can see the serrated edges of teeth, bright yellow and pink starlit eyes. They're circling you. But you get the feeling that your beacon is what's keeping them at bay. Like there's something about that beacon they don't like. They are both attracted to it and afraid of it at the same time. And every now and then you can hear like a throated clucking noise and clicking noise in the, in, in the throat of these creatures as they're circling you. And then off on the edge, you hear a scream and then the scream goes away. And you hear another scream, and it goes away. Now you can see dozens of these silhouettes, these 30-foot-long silhouetted images coming in and out. But these three just continue to circle you as your beacon seems to keep them at bay. What are you guys doing? How many creatures did you say there are? You guys on the ship, give me perception checks as you kind of feel the ship right itself. And now you're staring off into kind of like the miasmic kind of uh, color bursts. I'm going to lucky point that. What do we need to roll? Are you perception Perception check? That's two lucky points. Good Lord. I got a 22. 25. After okay. burning two lucky, but I rolled two fours in a row. What the hell? <laughs> oh, 18. 18. There's at least three or four dozen of these creatures out there. They never seem to approach the ship, 
as much as they seem to be attacking the silhouettes of of possibly the crew. Oh. Uh, um. The range can we there? we can't see like spots light at all. No, you don't see spots light. Can I use um? This is kind of a shot in the dark, but can I use speak with animals? Are they at all animal ish? I thought you don't no. have to do that anymore, right? Um, I I have the spell for it if I need to use it. I think with my animals, I don't have to. But with general animals, I think I need to burn a, a spell slot. Looking around, they're streak beasts. Winter recognizes them. They're dangerous. They don't quite live in the Shadowfell. They don't quite live in the Astral Sea. They hunt from within the Shadowfell. They hunt in between planes of existence. They look for people that are lost. They hunt those that are lost. And these streaks are beginning. And then you just finally hear that last scream, that final scream. No longer seeing the crew floating around you. You just see the continuation of these long silhouetted beasts coursing around. And then <laughs> lying bloodied and unconscious on the main deck is Elmspur. I'll cure wounds in. Okay. So I wasn't able at all to communicate with them? No, like you're trying to focus in on their sentience. And it's almost like they had a block, some kind of blockage up that prevented you... And you're not sure if it's because of where they are or what they are. Okay. I was going to try and lead them to the other boats. But good for the Thunder Shroud, I guess. Elmsper has uh, 14 hit points. Coughs and comes back to consciousness. Huge bloody globule of phlegm hitting the ground. He sits up. <laughs> <sighs> Where the hell did you go? I'm Where not really sure. We have to get out of here. We're not supposed to be here. Uh, yeah. We're but missing we spot. The crew he, is dead. What are he, those creatures? Yeah. Yeah. Streaks. Streaks and astral whales. And we're, we're not quite in the astral sea, but we're... So, and he's gone again. Shh. Uh, Spot, give me survival or perception. Your choice. All right. Oh, uh, that's an 11 perception. You watch as the silhouettes of the creatures disappear. Your beacon still pulsing, cycling. You look straight down from your fetal position and you can see the deck of a ship. It's only about 40 or 50 feet away and it's drifting by more than it's floating by. 
Well, that's the other thing. Because when I hopped off, I thought I was going to be able to run on water this other. Do I have any physical control? Like, can I move in any? Or am I just Every time you think about movement, you're able to move. Okay. But you no longer see water surface. It's yeah. just this unending cloud and pulsing light around you. All right. I'm going to kind of angle myself down and start uh, angling towards the deck of the ship. Just... So fucking cold. As you angle and come out of the coldness of the area around you, you feel your feet touch the deck of this strange-looking vessel. It has a single center mass uh, with a square rigging of a sail with red and white stripes running down it from left to right. The front, the prow of the vessel is strange-looking as well. You see this huge neck of a carved elk and then the head of an elk carved on it. You can see that the rear prow of the vessel is kind of flat and up, but the vessel is flat bottomed. You're able to look over the edge of the railing. This is not a seagoing vessel. From the stories that Alexander told, you feel like you're on a Voik ship one of their particular types of vessels because you remember i'm describing it as one of the ways that they traverse in between the islands but there's no sign of crew there's about 24 places to sit and there's huge massive wooden oars hanging off each of the rows of seats but it's deathly quiet not a sound nothing no water just the pulsing lights off in the distance. Did you take your beacon with you? Does that travel yes, with you? Yes. Okay. Um, How long does it last for? It is until I stop concentrating on it. Okay. And it's um, pulsing above you. Um, the four of you back on the main ship after seeing Elmsburg wink out again, give me perception checks, please, once again, as you begin to stare out into the pulsing darkness. Uh, 23. Okay. Uh, it's an 18. Okay. Puck in uh, winter? 18. 24. Okay. okay. All four of you, your eyes are drawn to a strobing light off in the distance. It's this small yellow and gold rotating beacon, almost like a lighthouse. And you could just barely make out the silhouette of a strange-looking vessel. Single-masted, has a strange silhouette to it. You've never seen it before. And you feel the ship kind of, as the four of you notice it, you feel the ship almost kind of respond to you noticing it. And the ship kind of canters in the direction of the light almost equal to your interest of the light. You, you feel that? Yeah, like it's honing in on us? Yeah. Uh, let's focus on that. How far is it? It feels like it's just right there, but the longer you focus on it, the longer it takes, the longer it's not getting any closer, but it's not getting any further away. 
Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. Oh, I was gonna ask if I can cast Hunter's Mark on it so we can keep it in sight. You feel a spell exit out, and you can see the spell try to wrap around your target and it adheres to it. So now you're locked in on the target. I'm gonna go to the helm and kind of like like grab the helm of the ship and focus on the lights like like all of you feel the the ship drift up and over and it begins to slightly push and thrust towards the light and the other vessel that you can see spot off the bow of the vessel that you're on you can see the silhouette of something getting closer and it looks familiar to you. And as it gets closer and closer, you guys get closer and closer to it. There's suddenly a shock of like arcane light that streaks across both of you. And suddenly you feel the familiar kind of coolness of the ocean. There's you can hear the water lapping up on the ship, like kind of slapping into the ship. There's a vessel alongside you, tandem. It's also a dark moonlit sky out. It smells salt water again. You can feel a breeze. You suddenly watch as the ship's sails <laughs> fill up. I'm looking down at the flat bottom strange vessel because you guys are slightly taller than it. You can see a very kind of shocked looking spot kind of looking up at the four of you. Uh, hey, buddy. I found the boat. God, that was cold. All right. Uh, Did you learn anything from that? Well, um, apparently my uh, my silent image still worked. That was helpful. Didn't uh, uh -huh. go to plan. I heard you jumped off the boat again. I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How'd that work? How'd that work out for you? I mean, um, I found a boat, so pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> What did it look like? He's standing. He's on, on it, it, I think. He's standing on it. Yeah, it's, oh. this is what I found. Yeah, he's still down below. It's it's kind of both the vessels are kind of you watch as the square rigging fills up with air. Uh, both vessels are drifting. You're back in the ocean again. You're you can see the moon and the starlight. It's dark though. It's very dark. You guys started it the in the morning. Does the there, but you can see Rudius and Kathia off in the distance. So you're uh, definitely back on Alexandria. And everyone else is uh, dead. <laughs> Lunch is still gone, right? Uh yeah. As far as you know, you might still be in the Fey. I keep trying to connect to him. Okay. 
I'll say that'll be your hour of connection. And at the end of that hour, he's back Thank alongside God. you. Oh my God, poor thing. I feed him hot gerbils. I don't really like gerbils, but okay. I'll what? It's it. his favorite food. Well, what yeah, I, I just said that because I didn't want to offend you. You know, I just, they oh wiggle down. It's kind of a weird feeling, but uh, I'm just kidding. And he takes it and <laughs> like swallows it as quickly gerbils as you can too. feed him. Um, is everybody okay? This was really, really scary. Let's turn the ship around. Let's see if we can find any more of the crew. This is, that's, I've survived. It's possible some of the others did too. I'm still standing at the helm. Um, and he said, turn the ship around. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Winter. Jack of all trades, master of none here. Come on. <laughs> Winter, you're familiar with the Fae. Are you able to connect with any of the crew or do you know how to traverse it maybe? Can I do a history check? Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> I got an eight. Eight? That wasn't the Fae that you were in. Mm. Whatever those spaces were, those are the in-between spaces of the planes of existence. While you recognize them, you're not entirely sure why it was so the way it behaved and the way everything happened while you recognize the creatures that you saw you the only thing that you get the feeling is that you guys drifted into a rift we weren't prepared we were told that it was going to be really really difficult to traverse and we just went in that sounds like us. And like what's the name of our, what, what, what's our boat? I'm not going to say it. It's the fuchs. Speaking of, uh, can I can I rechristen the boat that I that I uh, that I just got? Do you guys tie it down and tether it to? Come on. Okay. I mean, hey. Let, we can hold on to it for now, but these guys like to fight, right? Uh, Alexander said the 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 Voik like to fight, and he said that uh, especially against each other, or they team up against foreign threats. So if we're if we're charging in, charging in, if we're if we're sailing along with one of their boats and it's empty. Unless we come across, well, that looks like a deer. Didn't he say there was like an elk clan? Uh, one of those clans, it was elk and, uh, yeah, elk, manatee, orca, raven, rabbit, bear. Right. I mean, so, there... I mean, if unless we approach one of them that has a similar boat, <coughs> they're going to attack us. If we approach one that has a similar boat, they're probably going to attack us. I mean, so we use it as a decoy and then we get out. Get out well, where? We That's enough. where we're going. Do we have enough people to crew our current ship now that we have no crew? I mean, it's just the five of you. You could certainly try. Oh, of course, yeah. 
it, it doesn't require much of a crew once it's an airship. Mm-hmm. But all the, the uh, arcade casters, rods, right? Huh? Well, you do have the automatons that could possibly be magically uh, infused to do the crew's work. Yeah. That's, That's true, too. All right. Were you able to look inside the ship to see if maybe there is anything that can help us inside? What? No, um, I was on there for what felt like five minutes before I uh, poofed back into reality. I thought five minutes was plenty of time for you to start. <laughs> I was literally freezing. <laughs> there were icicles on my whiskers. It was very cold. Very cold. <laughs> I have a. Right. Oh, I was going to say I have a, I have a question for a storyteller. Mm. Uh, when it comes to charging the crystals, it's second level or higher. If it's higher, will it bleed across into them, or it just burns up that higher level slot? Just burns up that higher level slot. Okay. Uh, I'll go to the. Um, I'll go down to the the engine room because that's where I actually was doing some stuff. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to charge uh, three crystals with all of my second-level spell slots. Okay, so three of them immediately um, receive the arcane burst of energy, and they are fully charged and functional. You watch as you slip one of the crystal canisters into the receiving portion of the device. It slides in. The entire device begins to activate. While Earthen's distracted, uh, I'm going to... I mean, there's water now, right? There's water now. Yeah, you're back in the ocean. I'm going to steal a... uh, Well, steal. Uh, I'm going to grab just a bottle of liquor uh, from the the galley uh, and run over to, like, you know, physically run with my monk ability, run over to the the long ship. Okay. All right, just, like, pour out some on the deck for, you know, the lost crew, just kind of utter a, a quick, you know, Prayer that uh, that they any that are still living may find their way back to us, that, and that the dead may rest. And then just kind of look at the uh, the deck and just throw the bottle on it to, to shatter it. Okay. I christened the I christened this uh, this boat none given. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. <laughs> well done. So while Spot is christening the boat, Eartha, you're down trying to figure out how the engine works and getting it charged up. Um, let's go ahead and take our five minute break, and when we'll come back, we'll do the second half. Yay! Oh my god, you guys had to roll a two. Had to roll a two. Blame the bard. Always. I was 13. He just got me. <laughs> <laughs> I figured once I saw Xanthus' message that we would take our break. (laughs) (laughs) Good timing. Impeccable timing. Impeccable. Dude, why did you fight me? It's (laughs) been...
It's nighttime. The moons are out. You seem to be back. Lunch is back. No sign of the crew. No sign of um, Erebus. Or not Erebus. Um, what's his name? Elmspur. Oh, Elmspur. It's just you guys. This strange Voik vessel that Spot seemed to bump into wherever it is you guys were. And the wind is blowing again, so the vessel is moving forward. Earth, and you're down below, and you've completely charged three crystals at this point, which would be enough, uh, what do we say, eight hours? That's a crystal? day. Yeah, yeah it's one day. Travel. Oh, who did I lose? Winter? Um, do we have enough time to uh, snoop around the other ship? It has no hull. Uh, like it has no lower deck. It seems that they exist solely on the main deck of the vessel itself. Um, you do give me an investigation check, uh, Puck, as you begin to, you know, you finish, you guys kind of finish tethering it off to the railing. So it's kind of, you know, alongside you as you get, you know, as the ships, as the ships kind of move in tandem together. It's a critical fail. It's a five. Yeah, I mean, the only thing you find are barrels of stagnant water, um, rotted food, and like a lot of just kind of like basic equipment to tend to the ship itself. Um, but it seems old and disused, like it hasn't been used in a very long time. Can I try and cut off the head of the ship so we can bring it with us? Off the, the 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 elk's head that's up on the ship. Yeah. I mean, you can give me an insight check to see how long it might take you. It's a pretty elaborate and and could take time to do it. Have I noticed what Puck is doing? Uh, yeah, she's just kind of eyeballing the the prow of the vessel, looking at the stag head up on the main prow. It's fourteen. Fourteen. The entire ship seems to be built of very few pieces of wood. And the stag head is like built into the kind of like vessel itself. Like it's all part of the same beam. It would take a lot of equipment and a lot of time to pull to, to pull that off. It's a pretty sizable effort. Can I take maybe just the horns? You can take a horn. Um, the head itself is about you know, 10 feet tall, eight feet across the mm. horn, the stag horns go out like eight feet up into the air. Um, like say you get like, you pull out your blade and kind of take off a knock of the horn. Yes. They had nothing to steal and still I did. <laughs> I'm so proud. All right. But I'd like to head over to the, uh, to the nun given as well. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could have taken the sail. I'm in the horn. The sail's 40 feet across and 40 feet tall. Like, cut a piece off of that's easier than cutting a horn off. But now I have a horn. <laughs> <laughs> Mind yeah. your business, Earth, and I've got a horn. Perfect. Mm. You're supposed to be a bard. Are you really? You're really arguing against having a horny uh, gnome in our group. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> on the nun oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
The crew I've been to Humperdoke. Aboard the nun given. Come on, man. If you've been to uh, Humperdoke, you definitely don't want a horny gnome on your ship. That's not a good idea. Never mind. I throw the horn into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Exactly. Like, <laughs> we'll throw it with the other accumulated uh, random junk that's <laughs> she's a hoarder gnome it's a real problem I... <laughs> why'd you throw, throw the antler overboard I'm just I'm just saying like um, you know that's it's like a stag. oh no she kept it she put it in with the rest of her stuff <sighs> but uh, I'd like to do a quick investigation like I don't imagine there's anything but yeah, give me an investigation eyes. check as you kind of scour the vessel as well. Oh, okay, just a 10, so probably not. Uh, not much more than what uh, Puck spotted. Uh, once again, the, the main thing you pick up on, no one's been on this ship for a long time. <laughs> oh my god, where is that coming from? What is that? It's gargling salt water. Sorry, it's my kid. <laughs> oh God! I thought sick. somebody was committing like an atrocity. <laughs> no, I mean, we're on the ocean, right? So I thought it was good ambiance in the background. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it was freaking me out. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I assume I've, I've noticed uh, what. Uh, pop in. I'm just going to kind of climb up to the figurehead and just kind of be like, <sighs> do you need more antlers? If, anybody, if we can't take the nun given with us, anybody need some, uh, some stuff from this? Hey, does it look like there might be a name or something on that besides what you're scratching on there? I mean, uh, is there anything uh, that we can There see? is writing all along the side rail of the vessel uh, on both sides, but it's not it, a language you recognize. Oh. Does anybody recognize this? Uh, it, I, I've, look, I've got parchment. I've got parchment and some charcoal. Just take some ed- rubbings of that stuff. You know where my bag is, okay? I'm, 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 I've probably <laughs> already stolen it from me to begin with. <laughs> I'm gonna just kind of glare across the water at Earth and just kind of do like, yep, lift my paw. Yeah, yeah, I don't need to. I know, but just kind of walk out to where I get it and just like completely eschew his uh, his charcoal kit. And I'm going to break out my forgery kit and just be like, no, I'm gonna do it like this. Just whatever. Just make it happen. That's what I'm doing. I just don't want to use your stuff. <laughs> I need you, Arthur. If that's all it takes to make you not use my stuff, then I will encourage you to use my stuff. <laughs> <It's> time. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, Arthur. Re- reverse psychology. I love it. <laughs> reverse tabaxiism. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I just committed like the best, one of the greatest heists that plane of existence had ever seen. I'm good. I have nothing to prove to anyone. Right. <laughs> you hey. stole a rotten old boat that's falling apart. No, I was talking about the uh, the literal tons of uh, mithril and adamantine. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. then we all almost blew up. So, well, two cool. of us, two of us did blow up. That sounds like a you problem. <laughs> yes, it was. 
<laughs> Next time I see a tabaxi go flying off the top of a boat, I might not catch him. Or you didn't catch him this time. The last time I did. And I was behind the helm to get the vote over there. All right. I'm going to head back. Twice I've saved you with a boat. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of think my, my rotating beacon did a lot of that, but you know, whatevs. You get your, you get your cat friend back. Fucking humans. <laughs> mm. <sighs> but I'll head back with my uh, my copy of the, the ship's name. Okay. Or whatever that stuff is, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I actually mean, it would void- take a lot of time and a lot of paper to do that. Um, so say you just do a section of it that takes about an hour for you to do it. Um, the boat itself is a good, you know, 80, 100 feet long, uh, 40 feet across, the huge rigging square sail, and, you know, definitely not a, a, a vessel that you're familiar with. So you, you, you get a decent sampling of the writing. All right. Bring it back to Earth and, like, I, ha- I have never encountered this script. I have no idea what this is. Uh, have at it. It actually says tabaxi suck, especially orange ones. Why would but they're seafaring people? Why would they have encountered? Oh! Hi, they must have come across tabaxi somewhere. I mean, you your other buddies were pirates, right? We don't speak of don't speak of my buddies right now. I'm... True. Puck leaves and says, "Oh my god, you guys get a room." <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Zanuth, did you feel anything strange at all when we were in between worlds? It feels like something that. Uh, as a guardian of Helm, you might have some type of affinity to. It It definitely felt bizarre. It felt like some magic was getting through, some wasn't. It felt like sort of stifled and we were seeing insane things on the ship, like whales, like huge ships appearing and disappearing. I didn't I didn't sense anything familiar. There was nothing that I recognized. It just felt like, like chaos. Would chaos at all be, um, I know your alignment is not necessarily (coughs) chaos. How do you feel about being in that environment? I, I think if we went in a second time, we'd do better, but that space was so dangerous. We lost, I mean, we lost everyone. Like, we, lo- we lost everyone. We really did. Um, how did you find Helm? Just casually asking. Don't read into it. <laughs> Why do you ask? <laughs> you know, this is really making me question my own um, very unaligned spiritual um, practices. 
I've never really thought about any of this before. It's not really in my nature, but seeing all of those things that are so impossible is really making me think twice. Can I, can I roll an insight check? This yeah. is very uncharacteristic. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay. Let me get myself guidance on this. <laughs> Earthen starts playing the doorbells and hello. Uh, <laughs> Elder Zanth. And uh, I would like to share with you the most amazing God. <laughs> I got a, a 26. Well, fuck. <laughs> I mean, I'll leave it up to Puck. <laughs> no, she's nervous. She's I'm um, reading nerves. <laughs> she's definitely asking with an agenda. Um, but maybe the agenda is that she's just, you know, having a spiritual awakening. She really is the trump card. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> or the big bad, depending on your perspective. What's going on? You seem... I'm not used to you seeming... wigged the way you seem right now. Did you see something in the mist? Did something happen? I saw the thunder shroud. It made me realize that... I don't know. I, truthfully, I don't know. I just know that I need to understand what's going on before I proceed, especially as the world be around us becomes less natural, which is my alignment, ultimately. <coughs> it's very much fundamentally out of my depths. I think I... I think Xanth would tell her like what she knows about Helm, the way that Helm found her, that it was sort of in a moment of crisis out of nowhere. And that he, she was essentially called to him and he said, Hey, I'll, I'll help your family out of this crisis, but you're mine at this point. And was anybody else in your family aligned with any spiritual practices? No, I mean, my family are, at least not that I know of, my my family are like scholars. That You know, they just, they study. They're like not, they don't understand the world super well. And they're, they're not interested in, in deities. This came out of the blue for them. Oh, how about your, do you know your grandfather maybe? Was he maybe spiritually inclined? I'm just trying to understand. I know Helm's call might be random and about need, but I've seen a lot of people in need not receive intervention. So I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know, on my dad's side, I obviously I have no idea. And on my mom's side, my grandpa died pretty young. So I, I don't think there is any connection. It feels, until we reached that island and saw the statue, I thought it was totally random. I oh. still don't really get it. Well, thank you for sharing this with me. I know this is probably very uh, hard and, and personal. Um, 
I know. If you want? I do have. I have a couple of pamphlets I can give you as a book. <laughs> no, no, uh, and I I'd love to understand talk to you more about this. I just think it's so exciting that you're. This <laughs> is okay, okay now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I have a helmet for you too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I think I hear Winter calling me. Oh, Winter, here we go. yeah, I can help you with that. <laughs> So it's uh, late evening, as far as you could tell. You're not sure how many days have gone by. Um, anyone is free to make a survival check as you look at the star alignment and the celestial alignments of the skyline. Can I message Caleb and tell him... Essentially, the, the, the thrust of the message would be, we passed through the mist, we lost our crew... What day is it? A couple minutes goes by. Oh, I've been trying to get a hold of you for some time. Um, hope you and your friends are. Okay. Who's that? I'm sorry. That was definitely a ringtone. It's my ringtone. (laughs) (laughs) Who is that bard? I can learn from them. (laughs) Um, Kind of trails off a bit and goes, "Um, it's been a week, I think, since I last tried to call you after I saw you and your friends. Um, Have you been? What are you doing? kind of strange um but we've been receiving more and then it you know cuts off on the 25th word (laughs) classic uh let me shoot another message back and say we were in the astral sea elmspur appeared and vanished seemed to be closer to the shattered isles what have you heard Ah, you've experienced a rift. They're getting worse. Ships are going missing. Seas are becoming more untenable. We just left Port City of Nicodranus and are on our way to the Shadow Dials. So I'll relay to the team. We've been we've been gone a week. Apparently, the rifts are getting worse. Caleb is headed to Nicodranus. Hmm. Oh, they just left Nicodranus. Oh, it's just left Nicodranus. It's already been a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are uh, are we? Can we? Can I tell if we're through the veil? Like if we're on the? Uh, are, are we? Is it behind us? I mean, Puck's got the map. Where did Puck go, anyway? (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited about Puck's progress. She seems to have been really won over, and I had a great conversation with her today. What? (laughs) She's really interested in... She said she was really interested in Helm. We talked a bunch about it. 
our fuck part. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an exciting. It's it's weird. I did think it was weird. She seemed really nervous and stressed out, but you know, in moments of crisis, crime buddy puck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. It is weird. <laughs> Puck is just really interested in fighting. <laughs> it's become very religious very recently. <laughs> um, Puck opens the map and Puck tries to die and talk to like the smoky, scary black thing that couldn't figure out what it was, and we brought her back to life, and she was all freaked out by it. That Puck. <laughs> I. You know, I, you know, you never know what's going to turn someone around. I will say she was not as interested in the pamphlets as I thought she would be uh, based on our conversation. But yeah, it is. It is weird. It's weird. <laughs> Puck walks all around with like a button down white shirt and like glasses. <laughs> She wasn't singing that song about not being suspicious, was she? <laughs> don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. And Spot just kind of like comes by. I'm always suspicious. I don't understand. Don't get me true. in any trouble. Not true. <laughs> anyway. Because you unfurl the map. Um, give me a survival check with advantage because you are using the map. Uh, 17. Okay. Based on the map you have open and one of the maps that the navigator was using before they fell off into the Astral Sea, um, you're in a very different area. Um, you're about three days away from the Vale. Um, there's no immediate threat that you can see with the magical way that the one map works, but you guys are in the deep center of the Lucidian Sea, the very depths of it. Um, and you've got about three days travel till you hit the veil. I think Puck starts to open the book, uh, that she bought about mer people. She's been meaning to study it for a while, uh, so... So this is a good off time. She will start looking at that and appearing okay. very casual and cool, very chill, if you will. Fair enough. Don't make me roll inside against you. <laughs> I'm just reading. I'm just reading. I'm not doing likes anything. Read. Yeah, Puck reads. <laughs> um. Did you ever uh, tell us how many crystals there actually were basically on board the ship? Mm -hmm. that... There's about a dozen. Okay, about a dozen. My apologies. All right. Um, Nine of which have discharged because of the yep. what had occurred, and then Earth has recharged three of them. Okay. Um, winter during the initial travels would have explained how the airship works versus the seagoing portion of the ship. For the most part, changing it into the elven airship is a matter of just kind of it changes some of the characteristics of the vessel, but not much. For the most part, it just activates the arcane engine, 
that allows it to levitate and fly as opposed to using the seawater. Okay. So um, I am, I think Spot wants to be a little more cautious given what's happened. So they're going to head down to the, uh, to the engine deck and they'll recharge a couple more crystals with a few of their spell slots. Okay. Two or three more. I have two total uh, second level. So you now have five. You have four crystals in reserve, one in the chamber itself. Well, I'll put a, I'll go on and charge. uh, I'll burn up another third shift, uh, third shift, third level spell slot and uh, make it an even six. Okay. One in the chamber and five that are activated. Okay. That's two full days worth of travel before we need to do any more charging. Correct. Um, while I'm down there, uh, I'd also like to head down to the uh, cruise deck and just try to find where the like the, I know it's a common area, but try to find where the tabaxi sailors were bunking. That's easy enough. They're slobs, you know. Um, you find the little corner of the common deck that they had kind of made their own place, and there's backpacks hanging on pegs, and you know, unkempt clothes folded across their hammocks, and. The typical signs that people were using the space, but no one's there. So I'm going to kind of search through their stuff and just try to find something that looks meaningful from all of the, uh, all four of them. Give me an investigation check. Investigation. My investigation is that good. (laughs) That's okay. Nat 20. Okay. Um, you're going to hate me for this, but it feels like it would be appropriate. You come across a little painting of the tabaxis and they're, they've clearly paid someone to paint them as they had bought you a gift. And it's a painting of all of them drunk, um, you know, smiling in the direction of the portraiture that would be taking the painting. It's not a very big painting, you know, eight by 10 painting that's been inked and, painted as best as a street artist could do it. On the back they writ, they wrote like a little message. Thank you for allowing us to traverse on this amazing journey. Here's to a, a happy and bright future. Alright. I'm going to kind of, you know, stifle a, uh, a sob and just head back to the uh, to the galley because I have an idea for something that I want to do that's a bit private. Okay. What would you like to do? Uh, I'm going to try to find, like, basically I'm going to find a place where I can meditate, but I'm also going to kind of... Oh, it's a big empty ship now. I know, but um, (laughs) I'm not going to be in the the galley because it's a comfortable place, and um, not to give too much away, but I can't... It's it's where I can set things on fire without setting the ship on fire. That's fair. There's a a couple food prep areas in the galley that would Sustain yeah. that, yeah. So I'll, I will take. Uh, I want to take the painting and basically, you know, put it on uh, like a, a stovetop or something and just ignite it. Just sit in front of it and. There's and, a small blackened copper bowl that would be used to like prepare food. You take it, set it on a on a brick basin, and and light a little fire underneath it, and then put a little flame inside the copper bowl as well to kind of heat it up and uh, you take the, the the little offering and you begin to set it into the flames. 
So once I notice that it's caught light, I'm just going to kind of back up you know, six or eight paces, just sit back down in a meditative position in front of it and just try to um, not necessarily contact the, uh, the cat board, but just kind of focus on it. Just, you know, I don't know what they're... Tabaxi are not a, uh, a unified species or culture, so I don't know what their funeral arrangements are. But this is kind of a, you know... I'm sorry I got y'all into this. Um, if you're still out there, uh, I hope if there's any chance that any of you are still alive, uh, you can sense this and use it as a point. Um, if the cat lord is listening, let's see if he can help you with this. If not, I'm sorry I got <coughs> You watch as the smoke of the burning painting turns into the silhouette of a cat, and then it just kind of drifts off and out through the porthole near the galley and you watch as the smoke begins to expand then into like a, a Cheshire's cat face that kind of grins back at you and just dissipates into the wind. <laughs> right, but I think is going to kind of sit there with their own thoughts and just kind of try to center themselves for a while. Anybody else want to accomplish anything before a long rest? Because it is technically the end of the day. I think we got to sleep in shifts tonight, right? Unless we think these I mean, robots are going to direct the boat. Uh, Spot has a bigger challenge with that. At some point, he's got to figure out how to get the magic back into him. Because they were all discharged. Yeah. I'll uh, did uh, that include the uh, the the engineer the automatons that that came with the ship as well? It was like one or two automatons. Correct. Okay, I didn't know if powering up the uh, crystals would power them up as well. I'll take a look at them then. Uh, give me an Arcana check as you examine those. Yeah, not bad. That's uh, 24. As you examine them, you begin to realize they have small power stones as well. <clears throat> and they look removable. Which means there might be a reserve of them on the ship. So you go down back into the um, arcane engine room. And sure enough, you find a couple small iron boxes filled with uh, discharged uh, small crystal stones. Um, there does seem to be a way to take a iron box and place it and place a large crystal on top of it, and that would allow the magic to go down into the smaller crystals. So it feels like they kind of all feed each other, and then those crystals would be replaced back into the two autonomous um, creatures, which. The, it, that might also work for the other ones as well that, that Spot had brought on board. Okay. You said there's two of those iron boxes? Two of them. Um, two of them? And, and each of them have 24 crystals. Okay. I will burn up a couple more spell slots. And uh, so that's going to be my, let's see, one fourth level and one third level. Okay to fill two of the other bigger arcane crystals and then I'll set them on the, the iron boxes to activate that. Yeah, you watch as the energy drains 
and empty. You take the empty crystals off, set them aside. You flip open the iron boxes, and there's 24 soft glowing crystals in each iron box at this point. Okay, so I'm just going to take one of the boxes and, and uh, go to the two uh, ship automatons first. Because okay. I haven't really looked at the other ones to see what they look like, but the ones, the couple of them for the ship, and I'll go on and replace the crystals out of those. On there, I'm sorry. Okay. As soon as you pull the crystals out, you take one crystal, set it in each of the autonomous bots. They immediately begin to light up and kind of canter back and forth and kind of make some bleep and static noises as the energy is absorbed into their constructs and the you just hear these like these kind of like vacant distended voices uh, what do you require sir we lost the crew so we need to maintain the ship uh i think i've got Don some other... what do you require sir uh... run diagnostics you watch as the two automatons walk past you. Uh, they go down into the arcane engine room. They immediately take their long copper spindly arms and attach onto the arcane engine and detach within a few moments. Vessel is currently in sailing mode. You require it to shift into airship mode. Yes. All arcane systems are nominal. You have enough energy for two days' travel. Is this correct, sir? Correct. All of you begin to feel a soft vibration throughout the vessel. It comes to a halt. The center mass begins to collapse in on itself. The sails fold in, and then suddenly the main deck kind of begins to shift and accordion slightly up and out and things begin to spin and move in different directions <clears throat> instead of a main mass with a sail you begin to notice um, a series of triangular drift masts with kind of like power stanchions on their edges and it's almost like they're an extension of the arcane magic itself you then feel the airship's center mass begin to rise back up and it plumes out like an accordion the side sails stick out from the edges the main arcane engine begins to hum very loudly and all of you feel the airship begin to lift out of the water <laughs> you can see the two autonomous um, uh, constructs make their way out of the lower engine room and back up on the now shifted Helm's deck, and they position themselves in such a way that they're able to navigate the ship. But it's stationary. Right. The ship gets to about 200 feet, and one of the autonomous constructs, where would you like us to go, sir? Uh, hey, P uh, Puck, you got the map? Puck unfurls the map to show the the path we need to go through. He watches the autonomous construct 
it's three lit up opaque crystals kind of scan the map quickly, absorb the navigation points. <laughs> you feel the vessel start to canter over in the direction um, and it sets the course and it's gradually getting taller and higher up settles at about a thousand feet up in the air as everything is kind of dark and watered down below the starlight horizon off the edge the strange look of Rudeus and Kathia like off in the boundaries of the horizon kind of almost hanging like fruit out in the skyline. The stars all bursting out. Um, to the credit of your earlier question, Puck, being back here, you can actually see pods of whales, dolphins, and other sea creatures kind of scurrying the tops of the waters before they, you know, they, the moonlit waters kind of watch them dip and kind of go deeper into the ocean mass. You guys are floating at a thousand feet up in the air. The airship is now active with two autonomous pilots. Oh. I'm going to take a look at the rest of the automatons now. The ones that we got from uh, what's his face? That the Qualish, from Qualish that uh, the puck blew up. Yeah, the ones I stole, like I said. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, give me uh, give me an arcana Hopefully. check as you begin to examine them. Yep. Mm, not as good as the last one, but that's a 19. 19. Um, you kind of examining them realize it's a combination of the power stones and the rod of control um, that you place the stones inside the problem is, is that all of their um, arcane energy uh, burnt out, like they were shorted out almost. Um, so you have to physically replace them, but you don't have to recharge them. Um, give me a slide of hand as you pull out the broken crystal and try to replace it with a new one. Ooh, nat 20. Nice. So that's uh, with slide of hand, that's a 26. You manage to pry out the broken one, and as soon as it comes out, it crumbles in your hand and just kind of patters to the ground. Uh, the copper and kind of like metal urge of the interior, um, there's a clasp, a way for you to kind of bring it together. You set the new stone in, you bring it together, and you watch immediately as the energy flares in and starts to... Uh, you know, burn into the interior workings of the construct. The construct immediately kind of vibrates with the energy and then settles as if it's waiting for a command from the possessor of the rod. And I'll say right. as you do that to the, I think there were six of them, correct? That sounds right. Or yeah. was it six or was it a dozen? I don't remember. No, it was six. Because... Uh, yeah. Each one was carrying out a certain mass of the ingots and stuff. Yep. So, you know, it'll take you a couple hours to get all six of them done. But after you got the first one done, you figured out how it works. And although they're powered up, you can't really issue commands to them. Only the bearer of the rod of control can do that. I'm going to whistle at spot, like, because like, I'm not in the same room with him. I'm just going like, to whistle back to him, like, hey, try, the, try them out. Try that, try that rod out. 
I am uh, like first of all, can I even hear him? Because I'm you know uh, you're way down. Well, I mean he's down in the main hold. You're up in the galley. You can hear Earth and yelling and and asking to try out the uh, control rod. He's been down in the main hold for a while now, working on the devices. I mean, the other thing is, like, without even trying to be a dick to Earthen for once, like, is it enough to kind of break through my uh, my meditative trance or anything? Like, do I notice him? You hear him. Whether or not you choose to respond, I leave up to you. Your passive is good enough. Okay. Uh, well, just kind of slowly get up and see if, uh, like, take out the control rod. Um, do I notice anything? Is it glowing or anything? Or um, uh, it, it, I mean, if you activate it, it might behave differently, but you, you, the only thing you know to do is to activate it. Alright, so that's what we'll do. Let's activate this thing. As you activate the rod, you watch as all six of the autonomous constructs vibrate and make that clicking noise. You hear all six of them with that reverberated kind of metallic voice. Orders, please. Are you able to interface with this ship? Interface? We have no face. Orders, please. (laughs) Get with the other Atalata and follow their directives. They kind of just sit there for a moment there strange construct bodies and then they all kind of walk up out of the main hold up on the main deck for anyone on the main deck it's pretty bizarre um the different autonomous constructs the two that are elven are more sleek in design the qualish ones are kind of short squat with square and round bodies of various degrees and not really humanoid in shape like the two elven ones are. Two elven ones almost are like the spitting silhouette of an elven caricature in like construct form. So it's a little less off-putting, but they seem to are able to talk to each other. And currently the main deck of the vessel is just alive with these, these magical constructs just kind of doing the activity of what the hum- humanoid crew used to do. Just less noise, less drinking, less everything, you know, human, and just more arcane in essence. Um, can I head back down to the engine deck? I have an, a, I was a dumb idea because it's, <laughs> that has a bad connotation for this game, but an, an interesting idea I'd like to try. What's that? Uh, can I pick up one of the discharge crystals? Um, I mean, they're. I mean, Earthen hoisted them like one of the ones in the engine room, or the broken ones out of the constructs. Oh no, no, one, one of the ones for the ship. One of the. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're <coughs> they're down in the main engine room, the the arcade yeah, engine room. That's yeah. I was. I wanted to head down there to to try a thing that I have in my head that probably won't work, but Okay. You're currently in the engine room. Just don't there's, break one. Don't break there's, the crystals. There's at least seven other empty crystals now that are down there. Alright. I just want to go up to one of them and just lay my palm on one of them and see if I can focus my key into it to recharge it and move a spell slot. Ooh. 
after experimenting with that, you realize that two key points does recharge it. I'm just going to look back at Earth and just like, um, we have what? A total of four uh, charge right now? No, five. we have five, oh. char- one, one discharging and five charged. Okay. I'm just going to I charge two more to charge. So you now have six Omicron. charged because Spot would have expended two mm-hmm. key points. So you have one in the chamber and six that are charged. All right. Um, Arthur, are you still in the uh, the engine room? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Spot does not, like, after all the stuff with the uh, the tabaxi, you know, they, like, he, they just do not have the uh, the energy to fight with Earthen, so it's just like, kind of doesn't do want the rest of these charged. Thanks. Uh... Like that was an honest question. <laughs> yeah, you, you okay? Uh, kind of. Um, so I can recharge five of the remaining <coughs> total key points. So yeah, we can do that. That's so we are down to. I think we are have eleven uh, charged crystals. Instead of it's cool. Just that, that makes things a lot easier. Well, before you leave, like Earthen's, you know, like that, that, that made things a lot easier for me. Thank you. Just kind of, not really dismissively, but just kind of, you know, acknowledgement, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Just head back up to the cruise deck and kind of make a little uh, bed out of uh, where the tabaxi were sleeping. Zenith, what are you doing with your time? You're on mute. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Dibs, Dibs, you owe me a coke. Sorry. Um, I think uh, she's Santa's reevaluating feeling, her home pamphlet. I think she's feeling super, super guilty because it was her job to be vigilant and defend against threats, and everyone died like immediately. Uh, so she's probably sitting on the deck, just looking out, scanning, and trying to see anything that's coming. It's strange being up on the main deck and watching these constructs kind of work around you. You kind of absentmindedly look over at the elven constructs up on the helm's deck. Life is weird. Death has always been on the edge of risk for you and your friends. The teaching of Helm teaches you that in your own personal strength and your belief in Helm is designed to prepare you for both victory and loss. They don't necessarily feel any different. While euphoria and a sense of accomplishment may come with victory and a sense of despair with loss, the same kind of feeling of fate is still there. The summary of your mind of everything that you and your friends have been through, from the original journey in Nicodronus, through the Lucidian Sea, eventually to Nomorks, the journey down into the under depths of the volcanic fields, the discovery of the fire titan, Erebos. As your thoughts linger on Erebos, that's when you 
for the very first time, begin to feel a bit of anger well up inside of you. This cryptic conversation, these similes and metaphors that hide behind the kind of written scriptures of deification of entities. One of the things that always attracted you to Helm that the religious doctrine of Helm always speaks very plainly. In strength, you stand in the light, and in the light, you see your strength. Helm is a belief system that you found very gratifying during that period of loss that you suffered in your life. It's been a while since you've seen your parents, but you know that they're scholars and they're working at what they do. The academies of Uthodurn have always been very welcoming to your parents. They hold high station there, high regard. They even cater to the court of the Dwarven Queen and the Elven King that laud over and, and, and facilitate Uthodurn's. And your mind drifts for a moment to the thoughts of your parents. Pathways and memories, conversations, snippets of childhood, and eventually setting off on your own for the first time in your life. And for the first time in your life, after your first feeling of comfort from Helm, it's not quite there this time. You see the faces of lots of people that have suffered, lots of people that have suffered because of the disharmony of others. Theft, greed, constant thirst for power. This feeling that Sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you feel frustrated. It's when your eyes kind of linger off in the horizon. And at first, you don't really notice the silence until you feel it more than you notice it. You watch as a almost kind of like cast of moonlight from Kathia kind of washes across the surface of the water. You watch as the sea kind of foams up off in the distance. And just for a brief moment, you thought you saw a silhouette of a massive face. And in that brief moment, a sense of something bigger than yourself kind of slips into your mind. And your mind is lost in and and kind of thinking about this Erebos character. The crossroads of the different points in time, the behavior of this rift, this all seems to have gotten worse since Erebos's release and the Fire Titan's destruction. To this, you're not even sure that those that you saw as enemies have been able to make it as far as you and your friends have made it. Sure, the person that was once nearly responsible for the destruction of Earth and, and Vassarus's lizard form 
joining up with him and then seeming to team up seemed more of an act of desperation. The core of these plans have been foiled. The hand of fate destroyed. Copper takers, the copper keepers disbanded. Vasselheim has reclaimed control and is helping Gnomeworks find its way through the light. This is how it works. This is how the good people win and the bad lose. But this place feels still slightly different. The energy of the sea doesn't feel like it should. You watch as the two moons wax and wane, an edge of cloud kind of filling the horizon. Not much, just enough to kind of give it a strange sensation of depth. Stars winking in and winking out of existence. There's still something at play here. It's almost as if those that are mortal snuck in to the room filled with gods, suffered the consequences of it, failed at it, but forgot to shut the door when they were done. That influence is sustaining. More importantly, when you think of Puck, you get a chill up your back. Something wrong with her. She's normally quiet, reclusive, very kind of centered on the natural order of things. She almost felt like when she was talking to you earlier, like how you felt when you discovered the reasons for centering yourself around the idea of Helm. But her questions felt different, more tactile than you, than yours. Like yours, when you made the discovery of Helm, your question was more about religion, faith, the understanding of the, of the world from your perspective and how the perspective of Helm's teachings just helps you focus and become more acquainted to the importance of protecting the world from itself. Puck's questions felt like a dangerous monster at play. Something playing with its food before making a very simple decision of consuming a meal. She was very straightforward and insistent on answers to questions. Answers to these kinds of questions can never be had. They must be found. That's what the journey is about when you try to discover your relationship with the deities of the world. They may not always listen. They may not always hear. But there's something dark and sinister in the center of this playground. Those who open the door suffered the consequence and they did not finish what they started. And something continues. You feel the warmth of the moonlight kind of cascade around you. You feel the air diminish around you as well. You've felt this before when you felt yourself deep 
in the embrace of a divine feeling. But this one feels different. Your eyes look at a very full moon. While Rudeus is in waning and small and red in the distance, giant pale blue moon of Kathia just seems so large and so there. You hear a voice in your mind. It almost startles you, but you're in such a kind of divine kind of state of presence. You don't allow it to startle you. You hear a feminine voice in your mind. Doorways and windows let us look in on things that we don't understand. The fates run amok. The celestial gate cracked open. The betrayers whisper at opening doors. The balance is gone. The heartstone back in the possessor of someone never meant to possess it. Fleeting. Time diminishes. Hold out your hand, daughter of Helm. Reach for the moon. It calls you. Do not fear it. Am I getting a a positive or negative feeling from the voice that I'm hearing? This is the most reassuring feeling you've had in a long time. It's the same feeling you got when you first discovered Helm. You feel very much in their presence. Will you tell me your name? You know who I am. I am you and you are me. I'll reach out, put out my hand like she told me to do. As you stretch your hand out towards the moon, you feel a heavy weight, almost as if you're holding on to the moon itself and you feel the weight of your wrist buckle under the weight of something grabbing onto your wrist. You feel a warm, cold sensation and you quickly begin to draw your hand back and away and there's a pulse of starlight. And you see a fractured kathia, almost like you took a chunk out of it before it reforms off in the horizon. A bracelet of opal stone enshrines your wrist. Emblazoned in platinum, a helm and a hammer. And the religious epitome 
of a champion's oath emblazoned around the device. You feel a cold, hot, searing pain for only a brief moment. If you choose to follow, then you must choose to lead. There is something coming for this world unlike anything ever seen. The door cracks. The betrayers whisper at the door. The energy of the world fades. The fates run amok. The champion is given a gift of faith. We are you and you are me. And you just kind of feel the iridescent light kind of flow away. The hotness of the bracelet stone kind of given away to the coolness, almost as if it's been cast and been forged on your wrist directly. And then you feel the breeze again, smell the salt air, stars, the moon, and the feeling just kind of begins to flow out of you and fade. Yeah, I think I, I think I put up the dome on the, on the helm of the ship and stay up and, and watch. Okay. Do you take a rest at all? I will take a rest, yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. Anybody else going to take a rotation of watch this evening as the ship travels deeper into the Lucidian Sea? Unfortunately, I need full eight to rest. Puck can, uh, Puck can take watch. Okay. Anybody else? One more watch? I think uh, elves and Eladrin only need four hours rest, right? Yeah. Yep. Does it actually say that in our sheet somewhere, or is that just more? <laughs> it's in the, No, it's in their um, traits or something. Yeah, it's in their traits, I believe. <laughs> Elendril. By the way, Winter, are you still a winter appearance? Are you a fall appearance? Are you a summer appearance? Because the Elendril elves can make themselves look like the seasons of the four courts. Can they? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Well, you used to know it. That's why you called yourself Winter at first. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> and a lot of things have changed. By the way, folks, tonight is session 49, in case you lost track. <gasps> oh, yeah. that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Yep. So close. <laughs> uh, if we have time, I would like Puck to go to the crow's nest and get a nice view from okay. the highest spots. Okay. I would like to go with Puck. <laughs> yes. 
Can I um, maybe climb on top of Winter to truly be in the highest spot? (laughs) (laughs) You're literally a thousand and fifty-eight feet up in the air. So yeah, I think you know climbing (laughs) that Elven center mast, and the two of you kind of watch as you know uh, Zanith waves goodnight as she tucks back into the um, uh, Lehman's tiny hut little magical dome that she uses for her resting. Uh, last you remember, Spot and Earthen were kind of wrapping up their activities down in the arcane engine room. But the two of you take a moment to kind of be up in the crow's nest and share a rotation of watch for the last eight hours, four hours for Puck and four hours for Winter. Um, both of you give me perception checks, please. Oh, no. As you'll cycle your watch together, but... Take separate rests at the That'd same time. Yeah. It's a natural 20. It's 21. Nice. Hey. <laughs> it's finally happened. <laughs> All things. Well, I got a nine. Yeah. The one we can't trust rolls a nat 20 on a perception. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all asleep. <laughs> it's strange, Puck, but you somehow convince Winter to kind of like drift into her meditative state. While she's not asleep, she's definitely not awake. And you kind of use this moment of silence and visualization, realizing how far you've come. The space around you is dark but lit at the same time with stars and the moons off in the distance. And it's kind of strange to watch the water flow underneath you, you know, way down below the dark waters churning. Every now and then a sea creature or pot of whales or something kind of breaks the surface of the water. You feel your mind kind of linger in the direction of the moons, but your mind also finds itself seeking advice understanding and you feel a very familiar presence a bit of a warmth and coldness kind of enshrining your mind at the same time you begin to hum to yourself I am always here, child. Don't fear me. For I am the beginning of all things. I was here when this world was born, and I will be here when this world dies. It is the natural order of things. Look at that creature alongside you. Hundreds of years old, her people's lineage extending back thousands of years. And with a single notion of your mind, you can take all that she has. Or with a single notion of your mind, you can give it all back as well. Your mind is power, child. Your mind is an extension 
of mine. You talk a lot. (laughs) And then she tries to think to the coin that she gave the girl in the other world and think of how happy they must be eating soup in like a little home and how sad it is that she wasn't able to tell the guy that she was able to connect to them before he disappeared again. In that next moment, your mind is there. While not in the corporeal form that Earthen's spell had allowed you to be there, this time you feel more ghostly, more translucent. Your form hovers on the edge of a window looking inside of a familiar house. The girl is older. And she plays with a child of her own on her own lap. That child plays with a coin. Oh. Well, I think Puck is just trying to enjoy this uh, family space and fill it with whatever good intentions she can. You feel your mind pull back from the image and once again you're looking down at Winter's meditative form. The dark embrace (laughs) of the entity still hovering at the edge of your mind. Creation it is then, Buck. A child born of hope. We shall see what it earns us in the long run. We shall see what it gives us. For now, sleep. Sleep. Winter, you don't really remember if Puck ever bothered to wake you out of your trance, but As you come out of your trance, just as the beginnings of the edge of daylight are kind of beginning to show on the distant horizon. Puck is sound asleep. She's snoring, (laughs) not as loudly as one can, who is just so exhausted that they're in a deep sleep. The darkness of the waters giving way to the beginning gray of dawnlight the moon's beginning to recede back into the horizon. You watch as this strange pixie-like creature appears on the edge of the crow's nest. The courts would like an update, Winter. You've been gone. To your plans. The little pixie kind of hops over onto your shoulder. The queens would like to know what your plans are. Oh, shit. I totally forgot that <laughs> the whole moment that nobody knew what happened. I didn't remember. <laughs> um, mm. <laughs> Is there a way I can give her a little bit more time as we don't exactly have a plan? What is this we? You were given instructions. You have not told them about your plans, have you? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> have you I found, just don't have plans. Have you found the heartstone yet? 
Do you know where it is? No. I have no clue where it is. We're still looking. The little sprite kind of flies off your shoulder back onto the crow's nest. Very well. I'll see if they will be willing to give you more time. Don't go so long next time. Stop your dally. Get on with it. The face sprite kind of dissipates into the arcane energy of nothing. Just as the sun peeks up over the edge of the horizon. So everyone go ahead and mark off a long rest. As we are now on technically day nine of your ship journey. Hey. Oh, 20 day days. Nine. Remember we skipped a whole oh, Yeah. Gosh. 20 days since the Fire Titan's demise. Totally forgot <laughs> about that. It was so long ago. <laughs> uh, somebody roll me a d20, please. I got it. Yeah, my <laughs> no, nobody's gonna stop me this time. I'll do it. Oh, oh, it's not just roll. <laughs> You're on mute, Eric. I got a nine. <laughs> a nine. We go back into a rift. <laughs> <laughs> nine. Other than some overcast clouds the wind picks up a bit um no sense of any kind of concern just the normal kind of overcast sea day um you guys have at least two more days until you're expecting to make the edges of the veil still not visual yet um you're on day nine what would you guys like to do for your ninth day of journey. So Earthen is going to walk around and draw faces to the best of his ability of the former crew onto the faces of the automatons. Oh God, so the two the two elvish <laughs> the two elvish ones. He's going to try and make uh, one Salinas and one Alexander. That. And then uh, the other the other six, he's just drawing on the other faces and, uh, like, writing names on them. Give me a performance check as you do that. Ooh, that's not bad at all. That's going to be a 27. As odd as it is, as all of you kind of come up from below decks or out of your place of your long rest and begin to put together, well... Actually, Spot, you've become proficient at cooking. Um, go ahead and give me a wisdom check as you begin to assemble a recipe. And you can add your proficiency modifier to it. It's almost like these are in order. Oh. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, no. I, that's... I screwed up because I rolled for survival because I'm looking at the wrong damn thing because <laughs> I'm out of it. <laughs> Give me a sec. My apologies. Not a whole lot better. That was a seven. Seven? 
You're not really sure what to make. The galley is a hodgepodge of ingredients and substance, but you put together a morning breakfast as best as you can. Um, now go ahead and give me a performance check, and you can add your proficiency modifier to it. That's better. That is... Let me do one thing, because I know I didn't add that. Uh, proficiency. I think my proficiency is plus... Sorry, I'm trying to find that. Um, I think I got a... It's at the top of your character sheet. Alright. It should be near your armor class. I see my initiative. I don't see my proficiency. It's, it's right uh, between charisma and walking speed. Oh, my apologies, then. Okay, so that was an eighteen there, and that would make the um, uh, the 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 first roll a twelve. Okay. Um, now give me a d six, please. D six. All right. Come here. Ah, just one. As you guys watch Spot set up a breakfast table up on the main deck, you watch as he starts placing breakfast, baked goods, and some teas and coffee and other drink, kind of. In a kind of like, kind of way is to make an offering almost to a certain degree. Um, so for the next day, all of you have the effects of 12 temporary hit points. Ooh. And you have advantage on strength saving throws. Awesome. That's great, because my strength is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) As you guys consume a very well-developed and put-together meal of a cook who is finally proficient in cooking. (laughs) You're a better cook than you are a monk or thief or whatever you call yourself. I'm going to steal so many things from (laughs) (laughs) Hey. That was a compliment. <laughs> Earthen, um, I don't know if it's ever come up. Um, what, what is what is your alignment? Are you a you a law-abiding dude? You a chaos <laughs> Not really. Is this in there just true neutral? Uh, neutral, good. Oh. Well, now I, feel I love like how I'm... you guys talk about your alignment in the third person, like it's, <laughs> it's own sentience. Yes. I'm neutrally good. Like, you know, laws, some laws don't work, but I've got 49 sessions of notes that would challenge all that nonsense, and it's just pure chaos. (laughs) (laughs) With a smattering of luck. A smattering of luck. Laws, laws are (laughs) like, you know, personal morals that are laws, not uh, laws. (laughs) Oh, that makes it better. Hey, you know, evil paladins have that whole thing going for them, right? You you sure you're not in the same boat as me? Just, you know, a little chaos gremlin? I'm not that chaotic. Puck, what's your passive perception? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Why? Oh, my passive perception. Is she not very perceptive? Uh, where do I see passive perception? It's on the left-hand Under saving throws. Eleven. Yeah. Uh, Earth, and what's yours? 21. Spot, what's yours? 19. Okay. Winter, what's your passive perception? 12. 12. <laughs> While sitting around the table and kind of heckling each other and having a good time and kind of just 
relaxing for the first time in a few days after the last few, what feels like just few hours of chaos. Um, Earthen, you and Spot can't help but notice something on Xanth's wrist that was not there before. It's a piece of jewelry. Uh, manufactured of a strange kind of like moonstone opal gloss to it. And there's a platinum figure in between the way the bracelet sits on her wrist. It's, it's like a profile image of a helmet and a hammer. Um, you don't ever remember seeing that on her wrist before. That's sick. You pick that up in town? That's really cool. I picked it up last night, actually. I, uh, I had a conversation with someone like a, like a god, I think. What? Like a, like a cool god or like a scary god? I think, I, I think a good god. She said she was me. I think she might have been Helm's sister. Are you? I didn't think you were that self-righteous. Good grief. I don't think I'm a god, but I I I think I think maybe it was Helm's sister. The way that she talked to me and the way that it felt, it felt really safe. And she gave me this. I don't know what it is or what it does. Um, can I can I can I touch it? I don't sure. think anybody but okay. I'm just gonna like <laughs> I'm just gonna reach over and and touch it and also cast identify when I do that. Alright. Uh, I need you to know my tail is just hovering four inches <laughs> behind your head, just waiting for you to do something stupid or Nope. <laughs> just It doesn't identify itself to you, but it is magical. Why do you think you were reached out to at this point? I mean, is somebody trying to guide you? She says naturally. <laughs> well, like leaning on the leaning on the <laughs> chair back. I think maybe, yeah. That's good. I, we could use. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Are you, Kurt? Are you gonna roll or? Oh yeah, I was. I was. I was asking. Okay. If it, yeah. Then give me an inside check. Okay, that's a twenty-five. <laughs> I let Zanith <laughs> and Hawk determine what you pick up on. I guess it's a pretty high roll. I'm very insightful now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you can tell that she's being weird. You can tell maybe when it started. Um, you can tell that she's not usually interested in those things but she's picking up interest and that she is maybe a little bit afraid and kind of hoping that a god didn't reach out to Xanath at this point uh, concerned about what this might mean she's very very nervous about the mention of a god she even like flinches a little I'm definitely furling my brow, but I'm not going to say anything. It's just kind of like a, hmm. All right. Can I look over at Xanth and just kind of be like, just mouth, should I hit him? Just. You're good. 
<laughs> As the five of you sit around the breakfast table consuming Spot's meal, you kind of feel like this is that kind of beginning of that event that you know has always been coming. Realizing that all of you are changing and the world is changing you at the same time. Winter's influence of the court. Xanath's search for understanding of Helm's or possibly of Helm's sister, mysterious goddess, that doesn't seem to be all that known to those of the religious community. Puck's inquisitive nature into this thing called dominion. Earthen's belief that at the center of all this is still the wandering assembly. It's still the idea of redemption. Spot, Spot, meanwhile, munching on a blueberry muffin out of the basket. Just thinking about what's over that edge of the horizon. And that's where we're going to finish today as we are on day nine of your journey. We'll wrap it up there. Um, so this is fun. The rift was a milestone. <gasps> the, rift had, the rift had a lot of important consequence. It caused Xanath's interlude. It also caused Puck to become more aware of Dominion. And there's a reason why that veil thinned out to the point where things are beginning to reach out. The smoke of the cat when Spot burnt the painting. Um, the visit and, by and the Fae our, folk. And all our friends are dead. <laughs> and the loss of the entire crew and the activation of the constructs. So all that is the culmination of the beginning of the final arc. So you guys are on point. There are four milestones left um, in the game. As long as you find them, we should have no problem reaching level 20. You guys are now level 16, if you could imagine. Are you 16 or 15? I think we're 15. Sorry, you're 15 now. Sorry, there's 15, five more milestones to go. You guys are now level 15. You want to throw that extra milestone at us. <laughs> no, level 21, godlike powers. Um, everybody linger. We'll talk about you the upcoming schedule. Everybody else out there, thanks for coming and hanging out. Sorry we took an extended break, but we should be back next Sunday. We will be taking the holiday weekend off, however, coming up for Thanksgiving weekend, um, as I will be closing the studio Thursday through Monday that weekend um, in anticipation of taking a bit of a break and working on the ranch. So be safe, be kind. Don't forget to play a game. You guys linger. Um, everybody else, good night. Bye, everybody. Bye. Oh, my God. I should clean all this up. Bye.